This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Exodus chapter 33. We will go to 34 in just a moment, but we'll begin with 33. Beginning with verse 15. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be made known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by. That I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, that thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Chapter 34, beginning with verse 29, please. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. I want to preach to you for just a few moments tonight on restoring the glow of his glory. You may be seated. Moses was no stranger to the glory of God. In the backside of the wilderness, Moses saw his glory in a burning bush, a bush that was on fire yet not consumed. And it was in that glory that God explained to him, you are to lead my people out of bondage. Moses saw the glory of the Lord time and time again while leading God's people through the wilderness journey. Yet now Moses is standing in a specific place in a specific time where he recognized it was God's glory that has gotten us to this place. And he recognized that without the glory of the Lord, they would be unable to go any further. So he cried out to the Father. He said, Lord, unless you show me your glory, we will not move any further. We will not take another step. We will not move our tents. We will not do anything with our livestock. We will do nothing until you show us your glory. Oh, there's a good lesson right here. You know, too many times we try to do this thing called church on our own. 
And so many times we do the activity of ministry and the activity of the work of the Lord on our own capability and on our education and upon our finances and upon our position and standing within the community and in the congregation of the saints. And so many times we try to do these things based off of what we want to do when we must understand the only way it will ever get done is by the glory of the Lord. I want to tell you, friend, it was his glory that got us to this place and it'll be his glory that'll take us from this place to the next place we're supposed to go. So many times we get so caught up in wondering, God, how am I going to get to that next level? And God, how am I going to get to that place of revelation? And how am I going to get to that place where my church is growing and, and where our people are being discipled and, and how the things of the church will operate? Neighbor, there's only one way it's going to happen, and that is when we have the glory of the Lord leading us in every everything we do. It's only His glory where our music department will be what it needs to be. It's only by His glory our children's department can be what it needs to be. It's only by His glory that the pulpit ministry can be what it needs to be. We will not go any further. We will not take another step. We will not breathe another breath. We will not pray another prayer. We will not preach another sermon unless we have the glory of the Lord. I come before for you tonight crying God I don't want to do anything else until we have your glory but Moses he understood the importance of the glory of God and God spoke to him and said okay you want my glory but you can't handle my glory now please pardon me for a moment because I know I'm going to step on our Pentecostalism a little bit but we talk a lot about the glory of the Lord and we'll have one of those Holy Ghost services and we'll say, oh, the glory of the Lord was in the house and the glory of the Lord was radiant. Neighbor, we can't handle God's fullness. We can't handle God's glory. We cannot handle it. He said you cannot handle it because if you did, you would surely die. He said, first of all, in order for you to see anything, I've got to hide you in the cliff of a rock. And if I hide you in the cleft of the rock, then I've got to cover you up with my hand because if you saw my face, you would die. You know, I can almost see Moses as he's hiding in the cleft of the rock and he begins to cry out to God, Lord, I might not be able to see it all, but can you give me just a little bit of it? God, I might not be able to handle all you have, but can I have just a taste of it? God, I can't see you in all of your fullness, but can I just get a tiny portion of your fullness? Oh, I come before you broken tonight telling you, God, I know I can't handle it all, but Lord, whatever I can handle, that's what I'm asking for. God, I know I can't see you in all of your glory, but if I can just get a taste of it, I can't see you in all of your fullness, but Lord, if you'll just open up my eyes a little bit and let me just see an ounce of your presence, I know with just a little taste, I can go tomorrow with just a little look I can go next year neighbor I want to tell you tonight I'm asking God give us just enough that we can keep on going God give me just enough that I can handle it I don't need it all just give me a little bit of it oh Tommy keep my monitors hot turn me down out there but see Moses needed this glory he said, in order for me to go any further, God, I've got to have this glory. I've got to have your presence. But here's the thing that we must understand. Moses desired his glory. Church of God, we will never have an ounce of his glory until we desire his glory. We have a casual Christianity in the church today that what they want is just enough salvation to get out of hell. They want just enough Christianity to, to get them out of the clutches of Satan, but yet they do not want the glory of the Lord. We have so many churches that are okay with the mundane activity. And we have so many churches that are okay with coming together two or three times a week and having a few hours of fellowship. But we have very few churches who desire to go any deeper. We have very few churches and very few members who desire to go any further in the presence of God. But may I tell you tonight, if we ever get just a taste of that glory, we're going to want a little bit more of it. 
it. There should never be a service that goes by where we do not say, God, we've got to have your glory tonight. I know we may have had it last Sunday, but I've got to feel your glory now. I know we may have felt it last year, but God, I need your glory here in this hour. Oh, hear me tonight, my friend. I believe that what God is wanting to do in these last days is to show us his glory, but it's going to take somebody that's hungry. It's going to take somebody that's thirsty. He said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Church of God, if you want his glory, he said, if you want it, I'll give you the desire of your heart. If you'll help me preach tonight, I feel his presence here. You see, we've got to desire his glory. Brother Edge, there's too many today that don't desire his glory. They're too comfortable. You're going to have to pardon me. I'm very emotional tonight in my hotel this afternoon. I laid before the Lord and said, God, I've got to have this glory. Because I understand who I am. I understand where I am. I know this place in my life that I'm standing at. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired with the average church service. I'm sick and tired of not seeing the glory of the Lord. And my heart's desire tonight is, God, I've got to have your glory. I've got to have your presence. I've got to know you more intimately. I don't want to go another day without your presence. Lift up your hand and praise him right now you see he said I'll give you this glory but please notice this when the glory was there the Bible said that Moses was a reflection of that glory how many times do we leave the church service and say well we have the glory of God but when we get out there there's no reflection of that glory The Bible said that the glory of the Lord was transferred onto Moses' face. Church of God, people out there will know, people in here will know when you've been in his glory. And here's the awesome part about it. We don't have to tell people we've been in his glory. We have a lot of folk that like to tell how spiritual they are. But when you've been in his glory... The people will know that you've been in his glory. The people will know that you've been in his presence because his presence will radiate from your existence and his presence will show forth from your existence and the world will know indeed that you have been in his glory. But take notice of this, please. The Bible said that the glory of the Lord shone so mightily upon Moses that when he gathered around the congregation, that he would have to cover his face with a veil because the glow was so bright, the glow was so radiant that the people seeing it were afraid of it. They were scared of the glory of the Lord. And they could not stand to be in that glow. So they said, Moses, you've got to cover it up. You, you, you've got to put something over it so we can't see it. Now, here's the thing that bothers me. Moses would cover his face so they could not see the glory. But when he had that veil on there, they knew the glory was there. So every time they saw Moses come out of his study, they saw the veil and they knew the glory was there. And every time they saw Moses come out of the church, when the veil was there, well, surely the glory must be there. And that should be the same with many of us. That when we come out of our studies, the people see the veil and know that God's glory is upon us. But you know what I've learned? Is we have a lot of preachers today that have the veil, but not the glow. Somewhere along the way, they once experienced the glory. But they covered themselves up to give this fake facade of still having the glow. And they get up week after week, service after service. The people say, well, the veil's on, so surely they must have the glory of the Lord. 
the veils on, so surely they've been in the presence of God. But what they do not realize is that preacher had to put that veil on not because the glory was there, but because they were ashamed for the people to see that the glory had departed from them. I want to tell you here tonight, my heart breaks because I know that week after week we have ministers that get up behind the pulpit and they have the veil, but they lack the glory. They have the veil, but they lack the glory. Oh, how many sermons have been preached without the glory of the Lord and how many visits have been made without the glory of the Lord how many prayer meetings how many business meetings have been conducted without the glory of the Lord I'm talking to my preacher friends here tonight it's time that we take the veil of falsehood off and we say God until I get that glory until I get that glory back I'm not going to put on this fake face before the people I'm going to stand in your presence until I get that glory I'm going to stand in your presence till I know the glow hear me tonight it's time to take off the veil of falsehood and put on the glory of the Lord don't put on a veil until you have the glow to accompany it but how many members uh, some of you were with me I saw your faces when I was preaching on the preachers some of you members, you go around acting like you've been in the presence of God when you haven't prayed in a week. You act like you've been in the presence of God when you don't even know what it's like to fast anymore. You act like you've been in the presence of God when you can't worship during praise and worship. You sit there like a knot on a log and you act like you've got the glow of God's glory upon you. Hear me tonight. You too need to take off the veil of falsehood and let the people know, hey, I've lost the glow. I've lost the glory. I've got to get it back again. How many songs have been sung? by worship leaders and by praise teams that lack the glow of God? How many lessons have been taught in Sunday schools that had the veil but lacked the glow? You see, Moses, he displayed it before the people. And that's what we've been doing for too long. We've just been displaying it before the people. You see, we have that form of godliness yet we have denied the power thereof you know what Paul said about that he said from such turn away from such turn away you can have the veil of falsehood and tell everybody oh yeah I've got the glory because you preached a good sermon and you can tell everybody because of your false veil that boy, I have the glory of the Lord because look what the praise team did today. But just like they know when the glory is there, it won't take long before they realize the glory's gone. You see, your veil will only cover up your falsehood so long. You see, Moses was instructed by God. Here's the thing. If you truly want the glory, it's going to cost you something. Oh, how many times have we talked about the glory of the Lord, but we haven't talked about the cost of it? Can I be honest with you tonight? Is it okay? As you can probably tell, I'm quite burdened tonight. I hear so much about the year of Jubilee. I, I hear so much about the days of Elijah. I, I hear so much about the great last day revival. But never do I hear anybody talking about the cost that it's going to take to have that glory that comes with those things. Brother, I want to tell you, there's a cost to the glory of God. His glory doesn't come because you ask him. It comes when he sees that you're willing to do what it takes to get that glory. You see, God told Moses in the scriptures, he said, if you want this glory, here's what you've got to do. He said, you must climb up this mountain and you must present yourself to me. Oh, wait a minute. You see, this word present is important here. Literally what he had to do was he had to go and prove himself to God that he was worthy of that glory. Oh, wait a minute. 
You see, the reason many of us do not have the glory of the Lord resting upon us is because we are not worthy of that glory. You see, Paul the Apostle told his son in the faith, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. He said, it's your reasonable service. You know what he was saying? In that presentation, in order for you to obtain the glory, you must first present yourself wholly unto God. You can't have glory and the world at the same time. You can't have the glory and carnality at the same time. You can't have the glory and live in the flesh at the same time. In order for you to have the glory of God, first of all, you've got to separate yourself from everybody else at the bottom of the mountain. You can't stand in the congregation of the wicked and top, go to the top of the mountain and receive the glory of God. You've got to leave that thing behind and you've got to push those things aside and you've got to say, God, I'm leaving the bottom of the mountain. I'm climbing to the top because I want to be like you. I want to talk like you. I want to walk like you. I want to live like you. I want to be a reflection of the Son of God. Lord, in order for me to obtain that glory. I'm willing to lay aside every weight in the sin that doth so easily beset me. I want to tell you, church of God, we're never going to have the glory of the Lord until we have some sanctification in the body of Christ again. We will never know the glory of his majesty until we know how to reject the things of carnality. We cannot ha Oh, God, help me right here. You see, we have one foot in the world and one foot on the mountain, and we're saying, God, I still want your glory. Neighbor, you've got to take both feet off of the bottom of the mountain. You've got to take both feet off of the world and put them both on the top of the mountain in order for you to have the glory of God. There is no medium. There is no gray spot. There is no line in the road. You're either in God's kingdom or you're out of God's kingdom. You're either on the bottom of the mountain or you're on the top of the mountain. You either have his glory or you don't. In order to get it, you've got to be a sanctified. You've got to be a holy vessel. You've got to be acceptable in the sight of God. I'm calling us back to holiness tonight. I'm calling us back to sanctification. If you want the glory, you've got to prove you've got the glory. You've got to prove it. How do we prove this? By making ourselves a living sacrifice. When we say the cross is before me, I'm willing to lay my life down on the cross of Christ. He said, if you want to follow me, then you've got to take up your cross to do that. That means forsaking all and following him. Forsaking everything else and following him. He said, you have to present yourself. You have to climb up that mountain and present yourself before me. And if I see that you are acceptable, if I see that you are holy, then I will give you your desire. Uh, but notice this, after he got there, the Bible said that not only did he present himself, but in the midst of his presentation, the Bible said that he worshiped the Lord. You want to know how his glory comes? In the midst of our worship. In the midst of our worship. You see, we have had some of the most incredible worship music in this revival that I've seen in a long time. Now, I'm just being very honest with you. So many times I go and we go through the you know, the perfunctory and the routine and the, it, we have our two or three songs and our offering and we just go through those things. But we have had worship here this week. And in every worship team, I have felt a change in the atmosphere. You know why that is? Because his glory comes in the midst of our worship. The Bible tells us that as Moses built his tabernacle, that he went into that tabernacle and he laid out a sacrifice, an offering before the Lord. And when he lit that sacrifice, the sweet-smelling savor wafted into the heavens. 
And as it wafted into the heavens, directly into the throne room of Almighty God, he smelt that praise. He smelt that worship. It was pleasing unto him. And the Bible said that God revealed himself in the Shekinah cloud that rested in the sanctuary of the tabernacle of God. I'll tell you how we'll get the glory in the house of the Lord. I'll tell you how we'll see the Shekinah. It's when we learn to worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh, yes, we must not only present ourselves holy acceptable but our worship must also be holy and acceptable when we come before God whatever worship we lay before him it must not be a false worship it must not be entertainment it must not be a put on show but it must be worship that comes only in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such to worship him you see we have so many pardon me quiet services hello and what we'll do is we'll, we'll, you know, clap when it sounds good. And we might even clap when the preacher says something good. But there's very little true worship that takes place in the house of the Lord anymore. I have been in services, Pastor Beasley, where no one was praying for anybody. But because worship was taking place, the glory the divinity met humanity, and people were instantly healed by the power of God. Do you know how I was baptized in the Holy Ghost? Pastor Parker, I had been praying for the Holy Ghost for a long time, and I'd have crazy people come and pray for me. I'm just being honest with you. I had a man come up to me to pray for me one night, and he, he got behind me and grabbed me right by the back of the head, and he spit on my neck. Pardon me. I know I'm being very blunt here. It wasn't a miss. <laughs> Forbes, it rolled down my neck. And he leaned up to me and said, let the anointing flow. I had a man come up to me, a preacher. I'm in the altar. I love Bruce Lee when I'm watching him, but I don't like him when he's praying for me. Have you ever seen the karate movies where they walk up behind somebody and grab him by the head and they'll snap him? This man came to me and said, what do you want from God? I said, I want the baptism in the Holy Ghost. He grabbed me by the head, Brother Ed, and as God is my witness, I was in the chiropractor the next day. Snapped my neck. I had a lady come up to me, Pastor Miller. She got down beside me, and she was just all over me, you know, doing everything she could, and just waving all over me and just fanning me. And She said, son, whatever comes in your mind, just say it. That's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Pastor Shuler, knowing what came in my mind, I knew it was not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'll tell you when I received the baptism. It was on a Sunday night. The praise team was singing. The choir was behind them. I just began to praise him. I didn't need anybody shaking my chin. I didn't need anybody pushing me down. Tommy, all I needed was a worship that came from the depths of my innermost being because when my worship took place, the glory of the Lord came down and overshadowed me. Can I tell you, as it was in Acts chapter 2, they were not just sitting in that upper room, sitting in a wooden chair saying, okay, if you want to feel me, then fill me with the power. No, I believe with all of my heart. They were in the middle of a worship service saying, God, I thank you for the grace of Calvary. God, I thank you for your son who shed his blood. I want to tell you, if you want the glory of the Lord in your church, then you've got to learn how to praise him. If you want the glory of the Lord in your life, you've got to learn how to worship him. The glory comes when you worship the Lord. Oh, somebody worship him right now. His glory only comes when we learn how to worship him. But then notice what happened. The Bible said that the glory had not yet come. Notice, he climbed that mountain. He presented himself holy. He worshiped the Lord. And then 
He kept the commandments of God. You want me to tell you where the glory is? It's in the Word. We will never have His glory outside of keeping His commandments. The Bible said that as God gave him the Word, the law, on top of that mountain, that, that same cloud that showed up in his tabernacle later on showed up on top of that mountain. And in the midst of God writing with his finger the word of the Lord, not only did the cloud come, but the lightning and the thunder. In fact, the scripture said it was the sound of trumpets on top of that mountain. You know why we're not hearing the thunder? You know why we're not seeing the lightning? We've gotten outside of this word. I'm going to preach right here for just a few moments. You've got to bear with me. You see, the problem that we are facing in the church world today is we want the glory, but we don't want the word. I love praise and worship just as good as anybody. I just talked to you about how good it was. But I want to tell you, there is nothing that supersedes living in the word of Almighty God. It doesn't matter how good your singing is. It doesn't matter how well your praise team operates. All that matters is that we are living according to the word of Almighty God and that we have had the word and we have hidden the word of God in our hearts and we are living according to the commandments of God. Our churches are not seeing the glory because they're not hearing the word. We're not having the glory because not only are we not hearing it, we're not living it. You cannot have the glory of God outside of this book. You see, Moses said, I know that I have to present myself. I know I've got to worship. But if I'm going to have the glory of God, I've got to have his word. I've got to have his commandments. You know what I fear? One of my greatest fears is that we will get so far out of his word that his glory will depart. My heart breaks when I think of the generations that have passed that lived this word, that studied to show themselves approved, a workman unto God that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It breaks my heart when I see a generation that nothing mattered but being faithful to the word. And today, we have a shallow expression of the faith. We have very little understanding of doctrine. We have very little belief that it's even the real word of God. Hello? Even in Christendom. There is a huge percentage that no longer believe that this is God's holy word. In the church, preachers who are denying the virgin birth. Ministers who are denying a true resurrection. Ministers who are denying the divinity of Christ. Oh, hear me. You can't have the glory if you don't have the book. And hear me very carefully. I do not care if it's on the local level, the state level, or the international level. If we ever get out of this book, we are in danger of forsaking the glory of Almighty God. Just look, and I mean not to offend anyone, but just look at some of our sister denominations of the past who once were birthed in the fires of Pentecost who have denied the spiritual experience and who have said it is no longer relevant, it is no longer needed for our day and time, and now they are splitting because of sin in their congregations. Entire denominations, movements, who are broken, who are splitting, because once forsaken, you won't get it back. Did you hear what I said? Once forsaken, you will not get it back. If we ever get to that place where we forsake one scripture in this book, 
then we'll never get the glory of the Lord back because every word, every jot, every tittle, every dotting of the I, every crossing of the T, every sentence in this book is inspired by the Holy Ghost. It is God's infallible word. It is God's inerrant word. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. David said forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heaven. Isaiah said, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Sapona wrote in every church represented. If you want the glory of the Lord, then you better have the word of the Lord. If you want the glory of his presence, you better have the preaching of the word. You better have the teaching of the word. You better have the singing of the word. Whatever we do, we better stay in this book or we will lose the glory of God. But notice, the Bible said that not only did he present himself, not only did he offer worship, and not only did he stay in the book, the Bible said that he dwelt with God. He dwelt with God. You see, the glory of the Lord is not a one-off event. I am a revivalist. Many people call what I do evangelists, and that's okay because my heart is for the sinner. But you must understand you cannot have evangelism without revival. You may have heard me make this statement before, but I'm a church historian. I love church history. Go throughout the annals of time, and you will never find one evangelistic crusade that turned into a revival. Never. But every time you see where a revival took place, evangelism was inevitable. Every time a move of God happened, people were won to Christ. So I am an evangelist, but I, I believe I'm a revivalist. But you know what we're having problems with? We're having problems with bringing these one-night stands and bringing in these special events just to get us pumped up and just to inflate after the evangelist revivalist leaves. And, and I've got to be honest with you, one of the, one of the issues that I'm, I'm dealing with is we'll come into meetings like this and we have experienced his glory yesterday. I'm telling you, God was here. He's been here tonight. But when I leave those places, very few will call me and say, Preacher, my people are still experiencing the glory of God. I had someone call me just a few weeks ago and said, Brother, it's been months since you've been gone and every service we were experiencing a move of God. Uh, we've had people saved every service since, since you left and you see, the thing is, is we have many people that will come and they'll, they'll experience the glory of the Lord, but they will not dwell in the glory of the Lord. You see, the Bible said that Moses dwelt on top of the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. It wasn't just a one-time experience where he said, God, I need your glory today. Oh, yeah, we've got to have revival. I believe in him. If it were, I would leave my family every Sunday morning or every Saturday night. I believe in what we're doing here. But what I'm trying to tell you is when I leave, you better want the glory just as much come Sunday when your pastor is up here as when I get up here this week. And you better want the glory when your musicians and your singers get up here on Sunday just as much as you did when Princeton and Spirit of Life and the other groups are up here. You see, it cannot be a one-off event. It must be an everyday walk with God. It must be an everyday journey. It must be those times where you say, God, I've got to live in your presence. But notice this, please. When you go to the beginning of the chapter, the Bible said that God told Moses in 34, he said, come up here. By yourself. Did anybody catch that when we read it? You know what I'm, what I'm feeling from this? And if you can tell, this, this isn't one of my ten red hots. <laughs> in fact, I, I threw a few notes down in the hotel. Here's the thing. Sometimes we've got to leave everybody back. To dwell in his presence. We don't know what it's like to be in the quietness of his presence. No. I remember growing up. Brother Shuler, you, uh, you remember these days of when you would be in a church service and there was a hush. 
called it a holy hunt. A quietness. It didn't mean the service was dead. It didn't mean that nobody was involved. It meant that his glory was so thick, you couldn't speak. You couldn't sing. You couldn't dance. All you could do was hush. All you could do was stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. All you could do was be still and know that he was God. We're missing that in the church. And we're missing it in our own personal lives. You see, Pastor and Sister Beasley can attest to this. It's hard not to be busy right now. I, I was sharing this with somebody just the other day. I don't even know why it came up. I said, I think it was today. I said, and pardon me for using your first names in service, but I said, you know, Richard and Amy and I, we have a personal text. It's a three-way text. I said, I don't know if it's used to help each other or to vent to each other. Because we are together in the middle of a doctoral program. And uh, I, I find myself getting a little overwhelmed and a little overtaken by schoolwork. And uh, I'm also a, a father. I love my babies. You've heard me talk about them. You know, I, my baby girl just turned 16. Saturday night, I had to let her drive off for the first time by herself. I went and sat on my couch, and I cried for 30 minutes while watching Life 360 to see where she was at. My little boy, he's my buddy. <laughs> Pastor Miller, he's a wrestling fan. And I have to watch every corner I take because most of the time, if he hears me coming, now, you more spiritual people will not appreciate this, but if you ever have seen Ric Flair, you know what this is, and a loud, woo! My chest has been fried on numerous occasions because of that child. I fear for my life. I'm also a husband. When I'm home, I try to date my wife. I try to be romantic, carry her out to eat, spend time with her. But I'm also finding myself, because I preach a minimum of five times a week. Okay, Lord, what am I preaching this week? God, I, I have several I can pull out any time. But God, I, I need, you know, sometimes you just stand there and say, okay, God, if you'll give me something to preach, I'll preach it. But what I'm finding out is every once in a while, I've got to say, honey, I'm sorry. I've got to climb a mountain. I'm learning to tell even my baby. I'll play with you in a little while. I've got to climb a mountain today. The other day I had to turn my computer off and tell my classwork. I've got to climb a mountain today. And as much as I love ministry, recently I've had to stop and push away from the desk and say I'm sorry. I've got to climb a mountain. And I can't do it with anybody else. I've got to get alone with God. I've got to get in the quietness of his glory. I've got to get in the, the quietness of his presence. I've got to leave all behind. I, I've got to push everything aside and I've got to walk up that mountain. It may be lonely at times. It may be burdensome at times. It may be hard to get there, but sometimes you just got to leave everything alone and they push everything aside and say, I've got to climb up this mountain tonight. Here's my heart. And I promise if you come tomorrow evening, I will try my very best to preach something that will make you shout. 
I've got to have something. I've got to have that glory. I did not know who all would be here tonight. I didn't know that there would be several preachers. And I asked God to help me to speak to them because I know the burdens you face. I have never held the title lead pastor. But I have been interim. I have served the church as the pastor for a while. I was an executive or as we used to call it an associate. For 10 years. I have served on every board in our state. I've traveled this country. God has allowed me to be a minister to ministers. And I know. burdens you guys are facing. And I know the struggles that you have dealt with. And for the laity, I have been where you are. I have taught Sunday school. Forbes, I got paid 50 bucks a week when I first started out in ministry. God's called you to preach. Don't come to me and ask me about a package. Fifty bucks. You know what my job do? What my job duties were? Music director, men's director, boys director, evangelism director, outreach director, and to preach and fill in. Fifty bucks. Hmm. And for all of you who are PKs that are now in ministry, you know the struggles of doing those things. And when you're frustrated, you hear your daddy say, I didn't even get 50 bucks when I started. I've sat there. I, I, I know what it's like to lead music. I know what it's like to teach Sunday school and to do the chores of a church. There comes a point in the time where none of those things matter. Preachers, I want to tell you, your next sermon does not matter. It's not worth a thing without the glow. Singer, Your song is useless without the glow. Church member, your life, your life has no meaning without the glow. Two weeks ago, in my personal upper room, my office upstairs, flopped down in my chair. I laid back. And with a broken heart, I said, God, I'm tired. Just help me. I'll prepare to leave out in three days for my next meeting. I threw in a DVD of a great minister of yesteryear, an old recording from 
1985. And he just made this little comment. He said, I want God's glory. Right in the middle of the sermon, just for no reason. I was like, people were worshiping and shouting. He said, I want God's glory. And it was as if the Spirit just spoke to me. He said, that's exactly what you need. father I come to you with a heavy heavy heart I recognize that the only thing that matters in this moment is that we regain the glow of your glory. I recognize that right now Everything, the burdens, the heaviness, the weights of life, it is secondary to your glory. Even this work, this ministry is nothing without your glory. Lord, as I call these people to this altar, I want to ask you one favor. Show us your glory. And in so doing, allow that glory to transfer to our faces. That it may dwell, that it may rest, so heavenly upon us that where'er we go, whate'er we do, the glory will be manifested 